You're listening to the Golden Edge Podcast, sponsored by Station Casinos, STN Sports, and presented by the Las Vegas Review-Journal and Blue Wire. Here's your hosts, David Shane and Ben Goats. What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review-Journal talks about hockey, and there is a lot going on in the world of the NHL and the Golden Age that we need to get into this week. I am Ben Goats, one of your Review Journal Golden Knights beat writers. Join me on the other line, as he always does this fine Wednesday morning, is my colleague David Shane. Dave, how's it hanging? Good, good. Well, Mid-April uh, hockey action here. It's starting to feel like playoff time almost, so I don't know. Getting, uh, getting down to crunch time. No, it definitely feels like playoff time obviously i think it definitely does just based on where the golden knights are at and what their kind of goals need to be right now which of course we'll get into but yeah even last night uh the golden knights were in vancouver and the whole third period i definitely kind of even though i was watching from home started to feel the playoff tension a little bit and so we'll get into why the knights are feeling that and why they might be feeling that even uh more than they were last night the rest of the way. But before we do all that, I just want to remind everyone that the Golden Edge podcast is sponsored by Station Casinos STN Sports. Uh, We are also presented by the Las Vegas Review Journal. Make sure to check out all our written work at reviewjournal.com. And we, of course, are presented by Blue Wire as well. And if you guys could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you podcast, please do to this one. We would very much appreciate it. Uh, so to dive into things, since we last recorded, the Knights have gone 1-1-1, one, one, and one, perfect uh, even split there across the board. Uh, they have two losses to the Vancouver Canucks, one in regulation, one in overtime, and then kind of the uh, free space win against the Arizona Coyotes that basically, you know, every team that plays them seems to get right now, obviously except for the Knights that one time in Arizona, but uh, at home, they definitely got that. Uh, Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty. Uh, also came back, which we'll get into the details of in a little bit later on in the show. But I think it's relevant to mention at the top that, yeah, they are playing hockey for the Golden Knights again. Uh, and we talked about the playoff race is getting super, super interesting with now eight games remaining in the regular season for the Knights. They have two games left uh, on their current road trip. They are playing Calgary tomorrow and then Edmonton Saturday afternoon. Uh, It feels like, based on how the last week has gone, the drop point yesterday, Dave, that uh, these next two games against teams that are above them in the Pacific Division standings on the road, obviously, they feel like they could be a real tipping point for the Knights in either direction. Uh, As we sit here on Wednesday, does it kind of feel like that to you, that we potentially are going to know a lot more about what's going to happen with this team over the course of, you know, the next four days. Yeah, you know, and I hearken back to something that Pete DeBoer said before the road trip started about how he felt like they weren't going to, you know, clinch a playoff berth or lose, you know, a playoff spot in the next five days. And at the time, yeah, it kind of makes sense. I mean, you feel like there's still a little bit of time and a little bit of wiggle room, but like they've left themselves no margin for error with these losses to Vancouver that's basically what it's done like if you you know if you dupe it out you know like like you would do like a swim meet or something you know and, and you're looking at the schedule and you're going okay win win loss win loss you know like the games that you figure you know that they can afford to lose are not the games against Vancouver 
So all of a sudden it means they have to make up for those, those drop points. You know, the one point that they dropped, you know, last night, even though they were able to get it to overtime, you know, the two points that they dropped in the, the previous game against Vancouver. Now they have to make up for it, you know, against Edmonton, against Calgary, against teams that you probably penciled in, you know, as maybe losses that now have to pretty much become wins. Like, but here's the other thing too, though, with this, I think back to last year and I think it was like eight games left and the Knights had a six game lead over Colorado. They beat Colorado and they were up. And I think I even made the mistake of writing that they basically like all but locked up, you know, the, that West division last year and then the president's year, like, like it just seemed like at that point, you know, eight games, six points, the Knights aren't going to lose down the stretch. It doesn't matter what Colorado does. Like, you know, it's just pretty much whatever. And, and we all know what happened, you know, like the Knights dropped, a game along the way, I think it was to Arizona. And then they got beat by Colorado in that late game when they had like 15 skaters out there because of all the salary cap stuff. And they ended up, you know what I think officially on points tied for the division and lost tiebreaker, you know, and all that good stuff. But my point where I'm going with this is like, it, it feels like it's make or break. It feels like they're teetering right on the edge with these next two games and yet I do think back to last year and say, well, you know, like four points with 16, you know, it's it's not entirely done. I don't want to write their obituary yet. But yeah, if they I mean, if they don't get anything from these next two games, and especially if if L.A. wins and, and Dallas keeps winning and or Nashville keeps winning, like, yeah, it, it will feel like they're just way, way, way behind the eight ball at that point. Yeah, I mean, you pointed out anything can happen, and obviously we'll have to see because it's a credit to the Knights. I don't want to, like, you know, also sound like too downer of, like, they're on the verge of falling off because it's it's not like they've played poorly. They've actually played very well this last stretch of games. They're 6-1-1 and in their last eight. The only points they've dropped, as you said, are those ones, those three to Vancouver over the course of two games, but also the – you know, part of the schedule they just completed was so favorable that, you know, it almost felt like that's what they had to do. Uh, I think it was actually two podcasts ago, you kind of laid out the this uh, seven-game stretch that they were about to enter that goes beyond the kind of current, you know, 6-1-1 stretch I just mentioned and said, hey, they probably need to, at minimum, go 5-2 and two just to kind of stay relevant. And they ended up going 5-1-1 and one, uh, because we knew that was the makeup ground portion of the schedule and now their last eight games that they're shifting to now are a little bit more challenging and are going to be uh, challenging for them to, you know, make up enough ground to kind of move up the standings just based on the opponents they have. They have the 14th um, hardest schedule left in the NHL, which doesn't sound super difficult. You know, it's obviously mid pack, but some of the teams that they are chasing have very favorable schedules down the stretch. So that's going to, make overtaking for the Knights relatively difficult. Um, but I think we should lay out in a kind of more exact detail exactly what the situation is in terms of kind of the uh, four relevant teams uh, for the Knights. The In the Pacific, the Oilers are five points up on them. Obviously, they play the Oilers on Saturday. So that's going to kind of be a very interesting, you know, make or break in terms of whether the Knights would still have a chance after that game to catch Edmonton in the standings or not. Uh, the Kings are three points up on them in the Pacific Division standings. 
But LA has one more game played, and then they play in Colorado tonight. So we'll see if that you know gets tighter after the next couple of days. Uh, in the wild card chase, the Predators are four points up on the Knights, and the Predators also have a game in hand. The Stars are three points up, and Dallas also has a game in hand on the Knights. Um, so as I kind of said, just stating those numbers out loud, I mean, obviously the Knights are pretty close or can be pretty close with kind of a win in that game in hand they have on L.A. to the Kings. But as I said, the Kings actually have the uh, second easiest schedule remaining in the NHL, and that is including tonight's game against Colorado. So basically after playing the Avalanche tonight, L.A. I don't believe plays a projected playoff team the rest of the regular season. So it's going to be interesting to see if, you know, L.A. is going to stumble enough to allow the Knights to kind of catch them there. So that's kind of the setup, giving more of kind of the analytics numbers-based approach to it that those that are looking for like percentages or odds. What we have at various websites, The Athletic is the most kind of still optimistic on the Knights, and they're at 47% for them to make the playoffs. 538 at 44%. Uh, Moneypuck.com, 35%. Hockey reference, 34%. Um, just looking at the picture right now, how we're looking at it, Dave, obviously like you said, the Kings play Colorado tonight. So depending on how that goes, I think would uh, probably change our opinions a little bit as to how things are looking. But what does the picture look like right now uh, to you if you're looking at it through kind of Knight's glasses or a Knight's perspective? Like, uh, I, don't, I don't really know anymore, you know? I mean, if I'm going to take a step back and like you said, you know, we talked about that that kind of those those two stretches, like, you know, seven game, eight game sort of stretch. And I mean, for the most part, you look at the record like you pointed out and they did what they had to do, you know, in that first block of games. They just haven't really gained a whole, you know, heck of a lot of ground on anybody, unfortunately. So like the one thing with this and they don't have a lot of time. It's got to happen quick, but they've got pretty close to like their super team out there right now. You know, they've got Jack Eichel and Mark Stone now and Max Pacioretty and basically all of their defensemen. Like, the, I understand that there's other guys out, you know, like Haig and, you know, what, but like other than pretty much Riley Smith, you, you know, they've basically got their team. So, you think about it in that sense, and like they haven't been playing badly, like you said, they they kind of took care of what they needed to do for the most part. Not for like the Vancouver stuff looks bad and all, you know, the drop points and whatever. But like you know, they said it, we said it. They weren't going to win every game, you know. They were going to lose somewhere along the way, so it just happened happened to be Vancouver. They didn't really stub their toe anywhere else, you know, for the most part. So now it's just going to kind of come down to, you know, with you know all of these guys back and, you know, this big powerhouse team that they can put out on the ice and, you know, roster, can they, you know, basically run the table? I mean, it's pretty close to like eight games. At this point, it's got to be like, what, seven and one. I, I don't know. You know, I mean, they pretty much have to almost run the table here. They have to come pretty close. I mean, I would say for sure you're probably – what you you need to obviously win at least one at Edmonton or Calgary, but at the very least, I think you need to get a point in the other game as well. At least get three out of four, probably, which is obviously a tricky ask. Um, yeah, as you, it's gonna it's gonna take 
a lot. And obviously it's taken a lot for the Knights just to get to this point. As you mentioned, they took care of business, but even then we're talking about they're down three, nothing in the, you know, entering the third period against Chicago and they're down four, two entering the third period against Vancouver last right. night. And they rally to force overtime at least, and then lose the extra point. But if we're talking about them, not even having those three points too, I mean, the Knights were also kind of that close to it. Probably we're looking at it at this point and saying it's, close to over if they don't have those three points. Well, and here's the other thing, too, that I feel like these next two games will kind of tell us in some regard is, like, well, can they even do anything in the playoffs if they get there, you know? Like, can they match up with Edmonton? Like, not that Edmonton's some kind of juggernaut, but Oilers have been playing very well since the coaching change, and they've, you know, locked some things down. They figured out their identity. They've climbed the standings into a position where they're probably going to get home ice for that first round in the playoffs. Like all of the, you know, you have to prove if you're the Knights that you can beat that team, especially on the road. And, and then especially and then the other one, Calgary, especially too, you know, like Calgary is a first place team. If you end up as a wild card and you get Calgary in the first round, if you're the Knights, like you, you've got to show in these next two games that, yeah, you, you know, you can accumulate points and whatever, but that you can actually like match up and, and do something against these teams. It's, you know, if you have a goalie go in there and steal, you know, two points for you, great, you need it. But does that does that really give you any optimism or hope that once this team, if it gets there, you know, can do anything? So, like, there's a barometer and a measuring stick, I think, aspect to this games or these games coming up too. Of just, all right, th- this is the Knights team. This is the the team on paper that everybody thinks is you know high and mighty and capable of making a run in the postseason. So let's see it against you know, two Pacific Division contenders. Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today. Yeah, I think that's absolutely a great way to look at it. The Knights have to prove that they can compete with these teams to get a chance to compete with those teams in the postseason. And they certainly have given themselves probably a better chance to do that. Uh, I want to explore that at least a little bit because, uh, as we kind of touched on, uh, at the top, the Knights roster is in a much better place, you know, entering this final eight-game stretch than it was kind of heading into, you know, that previous seven-game stretch we described uh we saw Alec Martinez come back against Chicago. Braden McNabb and Robin Leonard came back the night's previous road trip in Seattle and Vancouver. Uh, Max Pacioretty comes back against Arizona on Saturday. And then Mark Stone gets activated off long-term injured reserve and rejoins the lineup uh, last time last night in Vancouver. Uh, how did the Knights get Mark Stone on their roster, uh, you ask? Uh, I don't want to, you know, break down all the finer points of the salary cap machinations uh, on this podcast. But basically uh, the moves that they had to make, they put William Carrier, Nolan Patrick and Laurent Brassois all on long-term injured reserve. Uh, Riley Smith, Brett Howden and Nick Hag were all also already on LTIR. So having those six guys all on long-term injured reserve, as well as defenseman Jake Bischoff, who's been on there all year, uh, gave the Knights enough kind of cap flexibility from all those guys being on long-term injured reserve that they had enough space to put Mark Stone 
on their active roster. Now, uh, it obviously, all those uh, six guys, basically the last update we got from Pete DeBoer on all those guys is basically they are not close. The fact that they are now all on LTIR means that I would say it's probably a pretty slim chance that we see any of those six guys the rest of the regular season. So that's going to hurt the Knights' depth a little bit. Um, but the Knights, at least top guys outside of you know Riley Smith, are now back in the lineup, able to kind of push for the playoffs right now. Uh, we did see Pacioretty score in his debut against Arizona. But overall, um, now that we've got him and Stone back, Dave, how do you think they kind of looked in their returns back to the lineup? I'm going to give my same answer that I gave about their playoff chances that kind of, eh, you know, like, I mean, yeah, you mentioned the goal Pacioretty scored, but I think even he said it, you know, the score in that game allowed them to kind of shut him down in the third period and save him a little bit. Uh, I think he would even admit, you know, that wasn't his greatest game and, and he was feeling it. And then Mark Stone after the game last night was even more blunt, you know, flat outside. He didn't have his lungs, so he didn't play very well. So, you know, which I appreciate the honesty, like the fact that they can stand up there and say it, the fact that other guys are not going to sit there and blow smoke and be like, Oh, he looked great. Like, you know, no, he's been out for a couple months and, and he didn't look great. And other than the play, really where he picked Quinn Hughes' pocket and had that scoring chance and then, you know, nearly got his own rebound on that play. Like, I, I didn't feel like Stone affected the game, you know, very much at all. I thought, you know, Pacioretty at least had some shots and some attempts, but it, it's going to take them a little bit to get back. And unfortunately, the, this team right now doesn't have a little bit of time. It's got to happen, you know, quick. It's got to happen right now. Whether that's, you know... Saying something in the locker room as the captain, whether that's, you know, I mean, he tried. He tried to make a play. I, like the Quinn Hughes thing was, you know, hey, if you're going to expect him to kind of make one magic moment, like that was the chance. And Demko made two good saves, you know, like that's how Mark Stone tried to affect the game. He did what he could. And, you know, you, you tip your hat to him. But but I'm not going to sit here either and say like, oh, they look like they, you know, didn't miss a beat or anything like that because they have. Like they don't look like themselves. And they're not a hundred percent, and like that's just how it is. Like I, I'm not, I don't think I'm like overstepping my bounds by saying that or like being unfairly critical. Now you know it's also the first couple games for them. We've always always seen guys, you know, it takes a little bit. So you know they're professionals, they're pros. So we'll see if they can ramp it up here, you know, for these next couple games. But yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm not going to sit here and say Mark Stone looked great and all this stuff because. You know, quite frankly, he didn't. Yeah, it's so interesting the spot that these guys are in because obviously it's a huge boost for the Knights to get them back. But as you mentioned, Mark Stone uh, hadn't played in two months. Uh, He doesn't have uh, his lungs, as he admitted. And that's obviously a very tough spot for him to be in to try to be gutting it out in his return from this back injury after two months off. In the most important games in probably Knights' regular season history, and last night was a very important game to the Vancouver Canucks. Um, Pat, same with Patch Reddy, who's been out, you know, almost a, a month with kind of an undisclosed injury. It's tough for him to step back in, I think, this time of year. And even I think we've seen that with Alec Martinez, who was out since November. 
But that uh, home game against the Canucks that the Knights lost, you know, I don't think was nearly his best game. And, you know, we kind of see those guys trying to kind of get their timing back, their rhythm, all of that on the fly, even though Alec Martinez has kind of talked about the last time we interviewed him after a recent night's practice that he felt that his conditioning was good, that he had his legs because he was skating on the side kind of the whole time that just like, it takes a while to kind of readjust to the speed of the game and kind of the passes that you have to make and everything like that. And it's tricky because the Knights obviously want all these guys back in their lineup, but they also don't really have time right now for these guys to kind of work their way back into kind of their, I don't want to say shape because I think all these guys are obviously well, you know, relatively well conditioned. It didn't like fall out of shape, but they're trying to work their way back up to kind of their game speed. And it's tough for the Knights right now to integrate them into their most important game of the season now coming up against very, very good opponents and try to have those guys be contributors right now when the Knights really need them to be. Yeah, and it's an interesting sort of conversation. We see them in the blue third line jersey and and like are they really a third line or you know like all that and you know you look at the ice time and things and like you know it's i think it's sort of a way to save them a little bit not necessarily have mark stone and max patch come right back and play 19 20 minutes you know a lot of their time especially last night you know to get up to that like 17 minute mark or whatever where they finished was you know logging those that power play especially in the third period you know so i think you know, early on here, you know, you 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 put them on the line chart, you know, on the wall, and all of that is like the third line. But like eventually here, pretty quick, you know, it it's gonna have to like bump up, and you know, we'll see who's effective. We'll we'll see, you know, if those guys, you know, if things aren't clicking, if if things are, and they get more ice time based on that, or how Pete DeBoer decides to kind of use this. Like one of the things that I've kind of thought about and wondered and, and feel like. I'm a big proponent of having a shutdown line and and I feel like you have to have the identity to do it, but I, it's always been something that I believe in. And, you know, if you have a, a third line, especially that can match up against a top team and or top teams, top line, give them problems and even create a little offense, you know, of their own. It just, it changes the dynamic. It, it changes the, the metrics and the math and the matchups and, and all of that. I feel like we really saw that in the Minnesota series. You know, with the Knights having to to deal with that, you know, that just that that line that the Wild threw out. What my I'm blanking the on the grief line because it's Greenway, Erickson Eck, and Felina. Erickson Eck, thank you. I'm like egg. I'm like blah 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 Eck. Um, but yeah, and and I feel like and the closest thing the Knights can do right now to try to replicate that, and I don't think they can replicate that line, but something like that is to potentially move William Carlson into more of like a third line role in a shutdown role. And I'll be interested to see if, you know, at some point here in a game or two is the legs come back from Mark Stone, Pacioretty, you know, obviously Stevenson's already there and, and we've seen, you know, if that line kind of bumps up in the, in the rotation a little bit, you know, becomes more of like a first line even, or a second line and, you know, kind of how things are done. Like we had so many conversations about what do you do with Jack Eichel? If you're, you know, Pete DeBoer, when he comes back, do you put him with, you know, those two, do you put him on the third line and spread things out? Like, essentially, he's put him on the third line. They've just kind of flipped them around. Like, Juan, Dodonoff, and Eichel is, like, effectively, you know, the third line, you could say. And, and 
Patchardy, Stevenson, Stone is like really the first line. They're just kind of in reverse order right now. So it'll be interesting at some point here as things go along and, you know, these two points matter even more than they do right now. You know, how Pete DeBoer uses it and, and distributes some of the ice time with all these guys. Right. It's going to be really fascinating to see how he chooses to deploy kind of these extra weapons he has at his disposal. Because when you're talking about a shutdown line there, I mean, I was also think they use the Stevenson line as a shutdown line in that Colorado series. And uh, Stone, Stevenson, and Pat Trady were really effective against Nathan McKinnon. Is that something that they try to do potentially at some point, you know, as they're building these guys back up of like, look, we know you might not have kind of your timing right to be fantastic offensively right now, but maybe all we need you to do is shut other teams down and we'll have kind of this Jack Eichel, as you put it, maybe quasi third line or whatever, kind of free them up to hunt for offense. And that's how we'll kind of make up the difference. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see, but so much of it is going to depend on how, you know, Pacioretty and Stone come along. And as we've talked about, you know, it's obviously understandable that they're not at their best right now, but the Knights need them to try to get as close to that as possible quickly, which is just like a very interesting dynamic coming up here. Uh, another kind of related way that that dynamic I think is playing out is in net right now, because we've got Robin Leonard who's come back and started the Knights last four games. But in those four games, he is two and two or two, one and one, I should say, because it's an overtime loss last night. Uh, with an 888 save percentage. And, you know, I just don't think he's looked at his best in his return. He was actually, I think, probably the best game he played was the first one he came back uh, in Vancouver, where the Knights won in overtime. And then he did not play well at home against Vancouver. Now, the defense in front of him didn't really do him any favors. I don't think a solid goaltending performance from him there would have really changed the outcome of that game. Thought he was much better against Arizona, but it's the Coyotes. And then he just did not seem to be comfortable last night against Vancouver. Um, you know, you pointed out in our last podcast, Dave, that the way the night's schedule kind of sets up, where they only have one back-to-back the rest of the season, and then other than that, the games are pretty spaced out. I mean, they could basically ride Leonard as much as they theoretically would want to down the stretch. Um, but how much is kind of his recent performance, how he's looked since coming back? Uh, how much do you think that might be giving Pete DeBoer at least something to think about heading into, as we talked about, kind of must-win games here? Unfortunately, maybe a little bit to think about, and that's probably the last thing you know Pete DeBoer expected or wants to deal with at this point. Like I think he figured, all right, I've got my first-choice goaltender back. Like I'm going to ride him. But, yeah, he hasn't played really well. I Look, for all of the criticism and whatever and for all of the internet stuff that's gone on in the last few days because of that picture that was circulating and, like, I'm sure everybody knows what I'm talking about, you know, like, they, they're kind of all in with Robin Leonard here right now, you know? I mean, the reality is the alternative – is the third choice goaltender who was undrafted, basically unproven, um, had half of a decent, you know, or a good season in the AHL last year. I'm not going to say decent. It was a good season, you know, and has been, you know, like 
like a promising guy. Like you're not just going to turn it over to him right now. I don't think you, you just can't. You're too committed to Leonard, and like if Leonard falls on his face, well, then he's going to take the blame, and we're probably going to see, you know, the ramifications of that in the off season. But I feel like he's the guy, and you have to give him, you know, the opportunity to get you across the finish line. Like maybe, like I was kind of looking at this, thinking, I don't know, depending on how this goes, like maybe you can give him a break and, and throw Logan Thompson in against like New Jersey, you know, I don't know, maybe the sharks game or something like that, that, you know, that last week that, that Logan Thompson can take. I don't know. Like maybe there's one game down the stretch. You just got to give, you know, Leonard a rest or something. I, I don't, I don't know. Like I go back and forth on this, you know, like these, these guys make such a big deal out of, you know, all through the season, you have to alternate. You got to save him and all this stuff. And then when it comes to this, it's just like, oh, he's got plenty of time. We'll, we'll ride him. You know, he can he can do it. You know, twelve straight. You know, whatever it is, no problem. So, you know, I there's part of me that feels like he's going to need at least one game off in there. There's a larger part of me that feels like every game is so important that they have to go with their number one choice guy. And he's their number one choice guy. And if you don't like it, sorry. And if the Knights don't like it, then, you know, they'll probably, you know, make that decision. And, you know, you'll see the outcome of that, you know, with offseason moves or something. But for right now, like, he's the guy. And and he's going to have to turn his game around and, and give them the goaltending that they need. And I just don't see how, if you're Pete DeBoer, uh, nothing against Logan Thompson, but I just don't see how you can turn it over to him at this point. It's just unfair to Logan Thompson, I think. Yeah, it's such a tricky situation because just like obviously Stone and Pacioretty, where we're talking about, and even like Martinez a little bit, where it's just kind of clear that they are not at the top of their game coming back from injuries. I think that's obviously a factor for Leonard too. I mean, before this kind of uh, you know four straight start, stretch that he had he had made uh you know all of six starts in basically the entire months of uh february and march so he did not get a lot of action for a long time because he had an upper body injury then he had a lower body injury then obviously one of the last times we did this podcast two or three times ago he took a puck like up high and like had to you know duck out of a practice and everything it's just obviously been tough for him. And I think it's a credit to him that despite kind of all those setbacks, he knows how important he is to this team and he is trying to push through that. But just like, you know, I don't think Pacioretty and Stone had a huge impact on the game last night. Because like you can't necessarily like hide a goaltender kind of still working their way back to full, you know, um, full form like you can a, a skater or two. So that's what, Makes this, I think, very fascinating for Pete Tour. And like you said, I think, you know, if he, whatever hair he has left on his head, he's probably pulling it out thinking about this because his alternative is, as you said, a goalie that's been very promising. And I think certainly Logan Thompson has probably earned himself an NHL job next year, but he's still a rookie. And you're talking about, you know, do you put a rookie in the situation where all of a sudden he needs to go into a must win game in Edmonton? or Calgary. And even though Logan Thompson has won four straight starts, they were against uh, Nashville, good team, Chicago, 
not so good team. And then obviously two against Seattle. And that last Seattle start came on April 1st. So by the time the Calgary game rolls around, it'll basically be two weeks since he last appeared. And so are you worried about him coming in cold to a must-win game, as well as obviously all the kind of, you know, huge implications that the matchup will have? Uh, it's tricky. It's a really tough spot for Pete Boer, who obviously certainly has not been a stranger to difficult or uh, controversial goalie decisions at this point in his night's tenure. But I'm sure he's, as you said, Dave, probably sick of them by now. You know, like I think back to like when he was in San Jose and there was that series with Martin Jones struggling and, you know, everybody was calling for Aaron Dell to go in and Pete DeBoer stuck with his guy. Martin Jones came up with that big, I think it was a double overtime game uh, that they ended up winning. You know, I think it was 50 something saves or whatever it ended up being. And then that was obviously the, the game seven major. Um, against the Sharks. That was that series. But, you know, Pete DeBoer, I think, has a history of kind of sticking with this guy. His guy's just going to have to play better. Like, that's all it's going to come down to. Like, Robin Leonard's just going to have to, you know, find his form and come up with a couple games where where maybe he steals points for him or something like that. You know, look, this is the other side of this, too. Robin Leonard's always been a very fair person and, and, you know, said, you know, he believes – Whoever's playing the best should play, you know? So it's going to come down to performance. It's going to come down to can, you know, he get the job done? Can the guys in front of him, you know, get the job done? You know, again, nothing against Logan Thompson. I just don't, I just don't think it's fair to have to like turn to him at this point. Like this is what you're paying Robin Leonard for. This is what you got him for. So, you know, produce because, you know, otherwise, I don't know. We're going to start hearing a whole lot of rumors about him going to like Long Island or whatever. Cause, you know, if they don't make the playoffs and he's the one, you know, in net, somebody's going to take the fall. I can tell you that. Yeah. It's going to be really fascinating to watch it all play out. As we mentioned, it feels like two very important games on deck for the Golden Knights Thursday in Calgary, then Saturday afternoon. And Edmonton could potentially tell us a lot more about this team's playoff hopes and which direction they are trending. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Golden Edge podcast. As a reminder, we are sponsored by Station Casinos, STN Sports. We are also presented by the Las Vegas Review Journal. Please check out all our written work at ReviewJournal.com. We are presented by Blue Wire as well. Uh, And of course, if you guys could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts, please do this one. We would very much appreciate it. Uh, I'm Ben Goats. He's David Shane. We are the Golden Edge Podcast. Talk to you guys again real soon. Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today.